Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning a beautiful Chassidic discourse in the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called Tonu Rabbonon, Mitzvahs Ne'er Chanukah. The rabbis taught us the mitzvah of Ne'er Chanukah. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse, Maitzoy Shabbos of Shabbos Parshas Miketz, which was Shabbos Chanukah in the year Tavshin Lamed Ches, 46 years ago. <clears throat> Later on in the year Tavshin Memzayin, 37 years ago, in honor of Hanukkah, the Rebbe put, gave out a certified edited version of this Hasidic discourse. Um, again, in honor of Hanukkah in the year Tavshin Memzayin, 37 years ago. So the Hasidic discourse is based on what it says, Tan The rabbis taught us, Mitzvahs Ne'er Hanukkah. The mitzvah of Ne'er Hanukkah is, Beishamay Oimrim. Beishamay says, the first day you light eight candles and every day thereafter you light one less. The first day is eight, the second day is seven, um, the third day is six, and so on and so forth. Base Hillel says, no, the first day you light one candle and from there on you add every day. So the second day is two and the third day is three until you come to the eighth day and you light eight candles. So again, there's an argument in Beisham and Hillel how you light the, Shabbos, uh, the Hanukkah candles. Beisham says, the first day all eight and then you go down and Basil says the first day one and you go up. What's the reason? So the Talmud tells us that the reason for Beishamah is because we compare it to the, the sacrifice that were offered on the holiday of Sukkot and over there the, the sacrifices every single day was less. So that's why we go down a number. And the reason why Basil argues and says no we have to go up a number because in holiness there's a rule of Mylim Bekoidesh you have to go higher in holiness. So Rebbe said it's known a the the Alter Rebbe's uh, teaching and what he points out is what is the connection between lighting Hanukkah candles and the sacrifices born in Sukkot? Question number one, and especially the way is the way the way the, the Tzamech Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe says that even Beis Hillel technically also agree with Beis Shammai that you would have to light the first day eight and go down much like the, the sacrifice on Sukkot. The only reason why he argues is because the fact this is holiness, this is not the sacrifice that brought for the nations of the world, and because Mylam HaKodesh, therefore he holds that you have to go up from one to the next. But technically they both, they're both connecting the idea of Hanukkah candles with the sacrifices brought in Sukkot. And the question is, what's the connection? And this is explained many places. There's a connection of Hanukkah with the holiday Sukkot, because both of them are eight days. Hanukkah is eight days and Sukkot is eight days. And, and what is, what is the idea of eight? Eight, we know, is above nature, because seven is a seven days a week, that's nature, and eight is above, above nature. So Rebbe says, one second. If that's the case, we also have to understand what's the connection between Sukkot, that we're saying it's eight above nature, and Hanukkah and above nature, and that's why it's eight days. What's the connection between what Sukkot and Hanukkah that they're both above nature? In other words, <coughs> also, this that we established that the Hanukkah candles is because of the miracle of the of the, Han, the candles in the temple, and the fact is in the temple the candelabra had how many candles? Seven candles. So if that's the case, how come in Hanukkah we have eight candles and eight days of the celebration? Also, we have to understand, just that we compare the candles of Hanukkah, <clears throat> not only in general to the holiday Sukkot, but specifically to the 
the sacrifice that were brought in the holidays of God, but seemingly Hanukkah is more connected to the idea of a menorah, a candelabra. In other words, because why do we light the menorah in Hanukkah? Because of the miracle of the menorah in the temple. And the fact is that the sacrifices that were brought in the temple on Sukkot, like all the sacrifices, that's connected to the, te- to, the, to, the to the altar. And we know that the candelabra and the altar is two different vessels in the, te- in the temple. And especially the way it's explained in Kabbalah and Chesidut, the whole different energies that, with, with, the, with the candelabra and the, and the Mizbeach and the, the altar. And the fact is, the candles and the sacrifices—it's—it's—it's it's, it's different types of service in the temple. And up to the point, we know that God says to 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 uh, Aaron, in reference to lighting the candelabra, that your responsibility of lighting the menorah is much greater than the sacrifices. And also, we know that the the, the lighting of the menorah is not going to be abolished ever. So you see, it's two different worlds. So the question is, what's the connection? Also. We have to understand another idea. We know the mitzvah of lighting the Hanukkah menorah, it says, when do we light it? I'll say it in Hebrew, I'll translate, when the sun is setting. In other words, the candles that were lit in the temple, they were lit something which is called Plag HaMincha. What is Plag HaMincha? It's an hour and a quarter before the Shkia, before the sun, before the sun sets. Now, since we're celebrating the Hanukkah candles, because of the miracles of the temple, and as we know that whatever was established by the Chachamim, and we do uh, similar to what the original um, uh, rule is in the Torah, so seemingly we should light at the same time as you lit the candles in the Beit HaMikdash, which is basically an hour and a quarter before it gets dark. And how come the mitzvah is specifically what when it gets dark? So Rabbi says the, the main point of the explanation is, he's going to give the kernel, then he's going to elaborate on it, that the whole idea of lighting the Hanukkah menorah is, I'll say it in Hebrew, so I'll translate it, because it's the heart of the discourse, to bring light to darkness. Hanukkah is all about taking darkness and bringing light in there. Why is that? Because what's the miracle of Hanukkah? After the Greeks went into the temple, and they went ahead and they defiled all the oil in the temple, and we know that the fact that the, the, the Greeks were able to get into the temple and create darkness up to, was up to the point that they literally went ahead into the temple and defiled all the oil. Not only they defiled the temple, but specifically the oil they defiled. What's, what's the whole excitement of the fact that they, they defiled the oil? Because we know that Shemen, oil, is a level of Kodesh. It's very, very holy. Like it said, the verse says clearly, Shemen mischas Kodesh. Shemen, oil is holy. And not only it, it becomes holy, like it says, Kodesh, in itself it's holy. It's not becomes holy, it's holy. Just like, for example, that when you have uh, two different types of liquids and oil is one of them, oil always goes to the top. Because oil has a certain dynamic that it always rises to the top. It's a very holy oil. So, therefore, since we're dealing with something which is holy, oil which is holy, and the Greeks came in and defiled and made the, the oil impure, so it's much deeper than the fact that they defile the whole temple. They defile the whole temple is terrible, but they defile the oil, it's so holy. And even though, again, the temple is very, very holy, and it has um, t- 10 different levels of holiness, etc., but oil is, uh, is off the charts. And like it's, it's self-understood that even after we came back into the temple 
and we purify the temple. But in order to light the menorah, we needed a special miracle. Starting with the miracle that they literally, that we found one little jug of oil, a pure jug of oil, that was signed and sealed with the seal of the high priest, which are spiritually, what does that represent? It represents the Oyrein Saif, the infinite light of Hashem, which is above Hishtalsus, above any level of, 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 of reality in this world. And because in reference to the level of Oyrein Saif, darkness, cannot make you dark. When you're connected so high with Oyrein Saif, there's no such thing as darkness. You can be in a dark place, and you're not gonna feel, feel and see the darkness. And on the contrary, this powerful light of Oyrein Saif brings light into the darkness, up to the point that darkness actually gives off light. It's a hard thing to comprehend. But when you have Oyrein Saif, a, it brings light into darkness, and B, even deeper, darkness gives off light. Like it says, Havaya with the added letter, letter of Vav, God will bring a light into the most darkest places. And that's why, since it's all about the oil of the menorah is all about to bring in the infinite light, bringing light into the darkness, darkness should give off light, and that's why we light the candles when it gets dark. Because again, what's the whole idea of lighting the candles? It's all about in the darkness to bring light. And that's why, because again, the whole essence of Hanukkah is to bring light, the infinite light of God, into the darkness, so the darkness gives off light. And that's why the, the candles of Hanukkah, there's eight candles. And the same thing also, the, the, the days of Hanukkah is eight. Why? Because what does eight represent? Above nature. And when you're dealing with this power of above nature, you have the power to bring light into darkness. Okay, so that is the most powerful part of the Chassidic Discourse. Remember, is establishing the purpose of Hanukkah lighting is to bring light into the darkness. And literally, the dark, the darkness gives off light because you're coming from a place which is above, above anything of nature. Now, what does that mean? We're now going to explain what does it mean practically. So you explain practically based on introduction, which brought down in the, in the one of the discourses of the previous Rebbe, and he says as follows. This that the Greeks came in, and they made the oil impure, why did, they, why did they go, why did they care about taking the oil and opening up the jug and making it impure? Because their war was a spiritual warfare. In other words, they didn't want to go ahead and kill physically the people, the Jewish people. But their intent was, their will was, that we should forget about that it's God's Torah. And we should forget about that God gave us the mitzvot. And even in this, this they, they, they waged war against learning Torah and doing mitzvot. It wasn't so much about learning Torah. Study Torah, it's a knowledge. Do it and act. But what bothered them was the godliness, the godly part of it. The fact that it's God's Torah, the fact that it's God's commandments. And that's why it says, They want us to forget what? That it's Hashem's Torah. In other words, the Greeks technically didn't care that you should learn Torah. Hey, you're learning history, you're learning interesting stories, it didn't bother them. What bothered them was that the fact that it's godly Torah. In other words, learning learn, Torah is, is brilliant. Brilliant ideas. As we know, Torah is it's, it's intellect, it's wise, etc. But their war was that we should forget that it's God's Torah. You know, we should forget the part that God gave us a Torah. 
And the same thing also when it came to mitzvot, that the war of the Greeks was about the godliness in the mitzvot. And it was the fact that the mitzvah is the will of Hashem. And that's why they wanted us to, to, to veer off from the fact that it's God's will. And what bothered them was the statutes, the ones, the mitzvot didn't make sense, or beyond logic, and the fact that it was Hashem's, Hashem's will. And there's two insights into it. In other words, in reference to the mitzvot, that are, we know there's three types of mitzvot, chukim, which are above logic, ages, which are testimonies, mishpatim, which are rules that are logical. So in reference to those rules, which are testimonies, or, or rules that are logical, since they make sense, so the Greeks, right, they agreed we should observe them. What was their war? The, what the war was against the ones that are, are statues, the ones that are beyond logic. Why? Because why are you doing it? Because Hashem said you do it. That's, that's one idea. In other words, they didn't, it didn't bother us that they learned, that we did the mitzvahs of Edus and Mishpat, and what bothered them is that we, we were doing the mitzvahs which were beyond logic. That's one insight. Another insight, no, 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 even deeper. This that they wanted us not to do the mitzvahs is referring to all the mitzvahs. Even the mitzvahs of Edus and Mishpatim. Why is that? Never explains as follows. There was explains based on what it's known that even the mitzvahs, which are Edus, testimonies, Mishpatim, logical laws, why do we observe them? So we observe them mainly because Hashem asked us to do so. Just like chuk and we do, it doesn't make sense we're doing Hashem Astas. Even Ajas Mashpatam, when we observe them, we're not doing it because it logically makes sense. We're doing it because God asked us to do so. Now, this idea that even a mitzvah that has a logic, why are we doing it? Because we think it's because it's the will of Hashem. It's not only in reference to the person that's fulfilling the mitzvah. In other words, we're doing it in a way Hashem asked me to do it. What does that represent? My personality, it's almost like a, an obedient slave. Hashem wants me to learn Torah, I learn Torah, Hashem wants me to do mitzvot, I do mitzvot. They make sense, they don't make sense, I'm doing whatever Hashem asks me to do. So, why am I doing it? For one reason, one reason only. Hashem asked me to do it. And whatever Hashem asks me to do, he nanny, I'm ready to do it. So that's from the person observing the mitzvah. But even deeper says, even from the mitzvah itself, why? Because every mitzvah, Every commandment from Kosh Baruch Hu, even the ones that are, are logical, it means it makes sense that we should do them, ultimately they are the will of Hashem. And the, we're talking a will above logic, a will deeper than understanding. But so it to be that in these commandments of Hashem, Hashem chose there should be some kind of logic and understanding in them. <clears throat> Not only that, even when there's a reason for a mitzvah, and the truth is, there are reasons for mitzvot. The fact is, even when there's a reason, it's h- higher and deeper for us to, for us to comprehend. Why? Because the true reason of any mitzvah is in the intellect of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, in the intellect of Hashem. Now, God's intellect is infinite. As we know, Hashem and His intellect are all one. So it's impossible for a human being, a finite human being, to comprehend the real reason of a mitzvah. And like it says clearly, not to write in Tanya, in the section of Geras HaKodesh, that the reasons of the mitzvahs were not revealed. And it's higher, than, it's higher than our intellectual comprehension to be able to comprehend it. And even where there's a reason that's given, it's not the ultimate reason. So let's even say you have a reason for mitzvah. It's not the ultimate reason for the mitzvah. Now, 
this idea that the I, the reason that is explained is not the ultimate idea. It's, we also comprehend it. Why? Because every single logical person knows that a finite intellect cannot comprehend inf- inf- infinite. And on the contrary, every time there's a reason for a mitzvah, it's the fact that we can comprehend it, that itself is a wonder. How do we human beings comprehend what, what, why Hashem wants us to do something? So why do we comprehend things? Because Hashem did a chesed with us. Hashem did a kindness with us that we should be able to comprehend. The fact that we comprehend is a chiddush. It's a novel idea. And even after Hashem chose with His kindness and He revealed to us a reason for a mitzvah, so it's known that the reason is on the general idea of the mitzvah, but not on the specific part of the mitzvah. So what do we see from here? That even the mitzvahs of Eidos and Mishpatim, where it's a testimony which we make sense, oh, it's for that reason, or it's a mishpat, it's a logical reason for it, it's for us, it's just like a chayk, just like a statue. Why? Because even the mitzvahs that have reason is above logic. And not only that, ultimately it's Ritzayinecha, it's the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the will is much deeper and much higher than logic. And this is the idea that the, that the Greeks wanted us to veer off from the, from the statutes of Ritzayinecha, the will of Hashem. In other words, that even in the Eidos, and even in the Mishpatim, even in the mitzvahs, which logically makes sense, or it's a testimony, so we have some kind of reason why it happens. Because so the, the Greeks were trying to get us to veer away from that. Why? Because they wanted to, so to speak, uproot from it, from us the the godly feeling in the mitzvah. They wanted to take away the godly energy that we have with the mitzvah. Because we know that all the mitzvahs is constantly intellect of Hashem, which is above logic. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to rob us and take us away from that powerful connection to above logic that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So based on this, Rebbe explains, now we'll understand what the Talmud says, that when the Greeks came into the temple, they, they made impure, they defiled all the oil, all the shemen that was in the temple. Why? What does it mean that when they came into the temple, they came into the temple, so they went and they were specific, they were looking for the oil. And with the oil, that's how they were gonna, they were gonna, they were gonna destroy the Jewish people. Why is that? And Rebbe explains Kabbalistically says as well, what's the Hegel? So Hegel is like the big hole. But what is it spiritually? The Hegel is referring to which sphere? The sphere of Bina. The oil is what sphere? The sphere of Chachma, which is above the understanding of Bina. As we learned before, that Shemen oil is Kodesh, it's holy, it's Chachma, it's higher than Bina. So therefore they went ahead and they defiled, they made impure the oil in the Heichel, which means the Chachm, which is higher than Bina. Why is that? Because their goal was that we should forget the fact that it's the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we should learn Torah. Why? Because it's the intellect, of, because, it, because it makes sense, not because it's coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, so that was the intent. So this, basically the war of the Greeks was to rip us away from the godliness in the Torah. That's their goal. That was their war. How do we, how do we succeed in this war? So you cannot go ahead and combat it with logic. And even logic, which is even above logic, which is connected to logic. And those in Kabbalistically, <coughs> nefesh, ruach, neshama of the, of the soul, that's logic. It's connected to the actions, the emotions, and intellect. 
Chai is above logic, but it's connected to logic. So even that's not going to help us to the level of Chai. Why? Because since they defiled all the oil in the temple, and as they defiled even the holiness which is above logic, which is connected to logic, so it's not enough to come back and combat it with logic, and again, even if it's a logic which is connected to logic above logic. So where, how do we win the war? So the way we win the war, it's the avoid of, and I'll say it in Hebrew, I'll translate it, Mesiris Nefesh. You want to win somebody who's trying to take the godliness out of you, you have to be willing to go on self-sacrifice. What does it mean, self-sacrifice? That you're standing with a, with a tremendous strength about anything that's trying to, to, to stop you. In Kabbalah, it's called Toikev Atzmi, a very, very deep uh, taking a strong stand, which is not a logical thing. Sometimes you have to take a stand which is not logical. For example, like the mysterious self-sacrifice, when, when you go, when a person goes and kills Hashem to sanctify God's name, it's not logical. But what's the answer? It can't be differently. There's times when you're pushed against the wall. Someone's trying to rob you from your godliness, and you, you whatever you're going to start strategizing, it's not going to work. The only thing that's going to work is mysterious nefesh above logic. Where does that come from? That comes from our connection with the essence of our soul. What's the essence of our soul called? It's called yechida, the highest part of the soul. And this deep connection takes us, the yechida, we cannot be disconnected from a Kaddish Baruch Somebody wants to disconnect. No, we're not being disconnected. Logic, no logic, we are not being disconnected. From that's called mysterious nefesh. Now, since in the level of yechida, the most powerful, deepest part of the soul. That you, you, it's not possible to go ahead and create a blemish or impurity, God forbid. In other words, just like, for example, the, the one little uh, 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 flask of oil that was sealed with the high priest, over there nobody can touch. Why was there one left over? Because in the Yechida that we all have, nobody can touch that part. When a person stands with mysterious nefer, self-sacrifice, from the place of Yechida, that's how you win the war. So the way, only way to win the war against when someone's trying to rob you of your Judaism is when you connect to your Yechida, and when you connect to your Yechida, you know you're not you're getting disconnected from anything which is connected to Baruch Hu. And just like it was literally by the war with the Greeks, when they went on mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice, Matisio and his children, and even though they were weak, and they were few, but they stood with mysterious Nefesh to fight against people that were stronger than them. And by, by doing that, they, awo- they awoke between, within themselves to go on mysterious Nefesh, self-sacrifice, and for kids to sanctify God's name, not to rebel against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's how they won the war. So what the Rebbe is explaining is, and it's an important lesson, when there's a real war, when someone is trying to attack and, and rip away your Judaism from you, whatever logical negotiation you're going to use, it's not going to work. The only thing that's going to work is mysterious nefesh. It cannot be different, and it's not logical, and I'm not disconnecting from a Baruch Now, when a person goes ahead and wins the war, which happens through mysterious nefesh, giving self-sacrifice, that's complete. That's complete self. That's complete success. Why is that? Because besides the fact, when a person serves a Kaddish Baruch with mysterious nefesh, means your yechida, the essence of your soul, and that comes from the essence of your soul. So what happens then is, it's not just your essence of your soul is, but that brings out the essence which actually goes and flushes through and permeates through all your all your attributes. 
from your intellect, through your emotions, until your action. In other words, that it's noticeable that the person doing this is a, and I'll say it in, I'll, say it, I'll translate it, a mysterious nefesh yid. He's someone that's on self-sacrifice. He's on fire, and no one gets in the way. Even though Yitzhak is constantly yichida, the essence of your soul, but guess what? It spills over to your intellect, your emotions, your action, and you're operating it from a place of mysterious nefesh. Just like when it, when it says in reference to Avraham Avinu, so what does God say? Akev Ashasham Avram Bakoili. So the literal translation is because Hashem, uh, Abraham heard of my voice. But Akev also means the heel. The lowest part in the body, the heel that has like the least amount of life force and energy. But through the fact that Avram Avinu, when a Messiris Nefesh, he affected that even his heel heard godliness. In other words, when Yechida kicks in, there's no opposition. There's no opposition. When a person's on fire, I am not getting disconnected from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and your Yechida's talking, your Yechida's on fire, it affects you from top to the bottom. Because when you serve Hashem logically, and even if it's above logic, which is connected to logic, it's possible to have opposition. However, when the Yechida comes out, there's no opposition. Not only that, when the Yechida comes out, it affects the animal soul, that literally the physical coarse animal soul gets transformed and the tra- the animal soul is on fire. So based on this, explains, now we'll see why the candles of the Hanukkah menorah is different than the candles of the temple, both in the amount, the number, and B, in the time that you're lighting it. Why? Because what is Hanukkah? What we learn, what's Hanukkah? Hanukkah is to bring light into darkness, what type of darkness where they wanted us to be disconnected from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and we came out with mysterious nefesh, the Yechida came out. So Yechanika is all about mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice. From where? From the Yechida, not from Chaya even. From the Yechida, from the highest and deepest part of our soul. Totally above logic. And that's why, because it came from the place, mysterious nefesh of Yechida, that's why we lit eight candles. And we light eight candles. Because A is connected to above, above, above logic. And just like, for example, there he gives an example, just like the difference between the violin, the kiner, and the bass of Mikdash, we know with only seven strands, and when Mashiach comes, it's going to have eight strands. Why? Because even though the bass of Mikdash, the temple is the holiest place in the world, and especially the violin that was played in the bass of Mikdash, you're drawing in from, from this, you, the name Yudke Vavke. As we know, the kinar is spelled chaf nun vavresh. So you have over there the, le- the letters chaf vav, which is the numerical value of Hashem's name, and you have the letter ne- nun resh, which is candle, which is referring to the candle, the, the candle of God as the soul of human being. So we're dealing with the kinar in the base of Megdash, but the fact is that it's the ultimate complete in, in, in nature. And that's why it only had seven, seven strings. However, Mashiach comes. What's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes above logic, Yudkevavke on a higher level, and that's why it's going to have eight strands. So that's first reason why we know why Hanukkah is eight days, because it's above Ishtalshlos. And that's also the second reason that explains why the candles of Hanukkah is different than the temple on the time that you light the candles. Why? Because lighting the candles when is when it gets dark. Because specifically when you bring out your Yechida, your essence of your soul, which is above logic, you have the power to bring light into darkness. Not only 
the darkness doesn't block the light. But deeper than that, literally the darkness starts shining. And that's why the time for lighting the Kanaka candles is when, to when you light it, until there's no one left in the, in the, in the street. Like it says in the Talmud, Ansha Tichla Regamla Shuk, there's no one near. The Kalya Riddle Tamadoi, that basically anyone is gone. And it says, use the expression Tamadoi. What does Tamadoi mean? It's referring to those that rebel in a Kalish Baruchu. Tamad is the same letters as, as, as rebellion. We read this. And they're hanging out in the street, in a, in a public place. A place which has no no boundaries and no respect, etc. But through the fact that you light the Hanukkah candles, you're able to get rid of all the rebellion. And Rebbe explains there's two two different ideas in it. One is that the light of the Hanukkah candles totally nullifies and gets rid of any rebellion. That's point number one. And the light of Hanukkah affects it totally. It, it totally creates it in a way where it has a tremendous yearning for our for Kaddish Baruch Hu, That even those that rebel should come to the level of yearning for Kaddish Baruch Hu. So you see, the Hanukkah candles has two two powerful components. One is it totally nullifies negativity, but more importantly, the negative becomes a positive force. So based on this, Rebbe explains, we'll see the. The connection between the candles of Hanukkah and the holiday Sukkot, and specifically the sacrifices that were brought in the holiday Sukkot. Because what's the whole idea of Sukkot? And also the sacrifices that were brought in Sukkot, you're revealing Makif, which is above Ishtalshalas, just like literally a Sukkah. It covers up over the person. And what happens on the eighth day of Sukkot? The Makif, this powerful energy, gets internalized in an internal way. Just like the, the, the spiritual work of, of Mysterious Nefesh of Hanukkah, which affects us in our intellect, emotions, and physicality. It's not just, we have Mysterious Nefesh and, and it's not real. It becomes real, it becomes tangible, it changes our life in a personal way. And that's why both of them, Sukkot, which is Makif, that comes with Pnimi and Shmini Yetzeres, and Hanukkah, Mysterious Nefesh, which becomes internalized in, in, in every part of our being, they're both eight days, both eight days. Why? Because what is eight? Eight is one and seven is eight. What does that mean? That the one which is above nature gets drawn into the seven nature. And just like the candles of Hanukkah affect into Regal the, 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 the rebellious people in the street on two components. That first it totally gets rid of it. And then secondly, it actually transforms it. The same thing also when we brought the 70 sacrifices on the holiday of Sukkot to correspond to the 70 nations, that first thing what it accomplishes that the, the, the nations, you know, the energy should get diminished. But then it, then it affects, not only should it get diminished, but actually the nations of the world help the Jewish people. Like it says clearly in the Talmud, if the, if the nations of the world knew how good the temple was for them, they would, they would surround it and, and they would protect it. In other words, through the fact that we create the idea of Hisabcha, which means we transform the world, that we, through that we add into holiness. That what? That they end up watching the Beit HaMikdash. So first it's, getting rid of it, but then they ultimately transform it with actually helping. Just like what's going to be like when Mashiach comes. Where it says that God is going to turn around the whole the nations of the world are going to serve one God. And then like it says, the strangers are going to come and take care of our sheep up until the point that we're going to bring the 70 sacrifices corresponding to the 70 nations of the world. And up to the point which we're going to have the level, we're going to, <coughs> we're going to add, add the, uh, the, the, the sacrifice for the Jewish people in the bed to Mikdash. Now.
This idea that we have to light the candles on Hanukkah in a place of darkness. And again, the first component that gets rid of the darkness, but more deeper, the darkness actually gives of light, is referring to specifically the times of Galut, the times of exile that we're in right now. And especially the double darkness and the, and the intense darkness, which is taking place now before Mashiach comes. And the Rebbe says, this is the a lesson of, of the candles of Hanukkah for every single person in Galut right now. That the intent of the darkness of Galus is to awaken within us our mysterious nefesh, our yechida. And when our yechida comes out, we have the power to transform and, and to, tra- to, to, to elevate and transform the darkness into light. And when, a per- when every single person does their spiritual work, and everyone does it together, and Lever says even most people do it together, and even by doing one mitzvah, whether you're doing it in action or in speech or in thought, we have the power to to uh, tilt the whole scale, and we can make the whole world lekafschus for for meritorious, and we can create salvation what for every single person. And never finish up when he says how much more so when we add in fulfilling the mitzvot, uh, specifically the mitzvah of Ne'er Chana, lighting the Chana candles, and this mitzvah as we know is connected specifically for the salvation and redemption, which is going to be through Mashiach Zikenu. And as we know that Mashiach is going to be the one, and, and also Elijah, that's going to notify us about the redemption. There from the eight, um, in the Sichei Adam, which is talks about in the prophets, which is connected to the eight candles of Hanukkah, up to the point, in reference to that where the Hanukkah candles is connected to the ultimate redemption. Just like the Hanukkah candles don't get nullified, the same thing also. The future redemption is going to be a redemption, an everlasting redemption, that after we have this redemption, it's not going to be any more exile at all. And the same thing also, we're going to have the Beit HaMikdash, the third temple, which is an everlasting home for the Jewish people, which will never be nullified. And it's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And Rebbe finishes off and he says, he should come and redeem us and take us standing upright to Eretz Yisrael. And, the, the, and, and beautifully, Rebbe finished with the last two words of a karayv mamish that happen very, very quickly. So here we have a beautiful, powerful Hasidic discourse of the Rebbe about the mitzvah of Hanukkah. And the ultimate purpose of Hanukkah is that we have the power to bring out our yechida, and our yechida can bring light into this dark world of Gullus. And we bring it in, we will merit to have the greatest light, which will ultimately bring the coming of Mashiach. And God willing, our next class will be in your Shalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Have a great and blessed week. Shavua Tov.